Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hello, you're listening to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we talk about films we think are underrated, underseen, or perhaps we just wanted to talk about them. I'm Josh Hallam, and this week we're talking about a Cinderella story. So, let's see what we think. So, Alice. Yes. A Cinderella story from 2004. Mm-hmm. What is it about and why did you pick it? Right, so A Cinderella Story is it's essentially the fairy tale of Cinderella, but what if Cinderella was Lizzie McGuire in LA in the <laughs> 2000s? So Sam, who's played by Hilary Duff, loses her mum quite young and then her dad dies in an earthquake and she's left to live with her evil stepmom and her annoying stepsisters. She meets a boy, Austin Ames, played by Chad Michael Murray, in an online chat room. They agree to meet, but they do so at a high school Halloween party where Sam is able to keep her identity a secret with her Cinderella costume. Just before midnight, she has to leave to go back to work at her stepmom's diner and then the hunt begins to discover who is the mystery Cinderella. Um, so why did I pick it? So why did you pick it? I thought it's one of them, it was one of them, I think this happens a lot, like it just pops into your head and you think, oh, well, I'll have a little look at the ratings, see what people are saying about it. And one of the ratings in particular was really, really low. So I was like, oh, nah, there's no way it's that bad sort of thing. So I was, I went into this thinking that, oh, I reckon this could be underrated, but also it's kind of a bit of a revisit as well. So mm. I haven't seen this for many, many years, but I did watch it quite a lot, like when I was a teenager. Mm. And I remember kind of knowing that it wasn't amazing, but still enjoying it at the same time and still sort of getting quite a lot out of it. Little bit like just my luck. You know, when you kind of, you know that something's not amazing, yeah. but you still have quite a lot of affection for it. So I just wanted to see like, oh, you know, is it actually any good? Like, is, is there stuff in there? Is there nuance? Is there depth of character? All this bullshit. Um, turns out no. Uh, Uh, So that is why I picked it. Josh, had you seen this one? I, (laughs) so, not to let people behind the curtain, but this is, we're recording this straight after another episode, which is the episode on Rocky Balboa. And I had a free Saturday night because I'm really sad when my other half was out and I was trying to be good and not do anything like go to the pub or go out or anything like that, (laughs) right? So I was going to watch Rocky and then I thought, well, I'll try and squeeze in another film so that I don't, you know, that I've got to, we, we can do a double record and we've got one in the bank, et cetera, et cetera. That's mm-hmm. how it works. Sorry if that ruins the illusion. Um, <laughs> but so I text you saying, I'm going to watch another film. Um, do you want to give me your next choice? And uh-huh. then, and then I'll watch it. And you text back, 
a Cinderella story, and I thought, oh, fuck you, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there I was, an almost 32-year-old man on a Saturday night, on my own, sipping tea, watching a Cinderella story. That's pretty funny, that. Um, That's a funny image. You're going to be on some <laughs> list somewhere. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, went, I put it into Prime, and I went to buy, and it went, really? And I went, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, compared to all the other stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Are you so, sure? Yeah. Are you sure you want to buy this? But no. So no, I hadn't seen it before. I remember ah. it. Com- I, I, I remember this coming out, and I remember that lots and lots of girls, and probably some guys as well, mm-hmm. had a massive crush on Chad Michael Murray when we were in school. Uh, right. He's like, is yeah. I was obsessed with this fella. Obsessed with him yeah. from because he was in One Tree One Hill, Tree Hill yeah. which I was a big um, fan of. And I yeah, I did. And like, um, I yeah. fancied the absolute pants of him. Yeah. So, so no, I hadn't seen it before. All I really knew about it was, I assumed it was something to do with, like, like a Cinderella adaptation. Mm-hmm. I knew Hilary Duff was in it. I knew Chad Michael Murray was in it. That's mm-hmm. all I really knew about it. But I was, and I, and I did go in, I did go into this expecting sort of like, oh, what's this going to be, going yeah. to be like? But <laughs> to be honest, I, I, we always try and be balanced, don't we? And I, and I don't want to, you Indeed. know, we've touched on this before. There is an element of this sort of film of sort of being of going into it as if it as if it doesn't have a right to be a film or it doesn't mm-hmm. have a right or whatever. And, and I think that's bollocks. I think everything has a right. There's an audience for everything. Yeah, so totally. with that in mind, let's get stuck into what we liked about it. Now, you picked it, so after you. What did you like about a Cinderella okay. story? So there is, I will preface this by saying, obviously there is a, quite a strong element of nostalgia here for me that is doing some of the heavy lifting. But mm. there are some things that I thought were pretty good about this film. So the best thing, obviously, is Jennifer Coolidge, who plays <laughs> the evil stepmom. Right? So mom. A lot of the jokes in this are either outdated or fall flat or both, but she is absolutely hilarious and has the best comedy lines in this. She is the comedy character. She calls Norway Norwegian. She says that droughts are for poor people. And at one point she says to Sam, right? So Sam, her stepdaughter, who has lost both her parents, she says, there's something I've always wanted to tell you and I think you're ready to hear it. You're not very pretty and you're not very bright. Oh, I'm so glad we had this talk. And she just had so many brilliant one-liners. You know, she's brutal. Like, her takedowns of the other characters are brilliant. And she's just got such a way about her, hasn't she, Jennifer Coolidge? She's, she's just so a, yeah, fucking she, funny She's a fantastic she's comedy actor. She's you know, so mo- Most people, if you haven't seen the film, will know her as Stifler's mom. Yeah. Um, but she's been, you know, she is more than that. She's great in this. She's, she's great. She's great in, now, in, in she? American like, she Pie. There was a series that's just been quite a bit of a critic's darling, quite an award season darling called The White Lotus. I've and heard that, of that. Yeah. yeah so so we watched it um, and I got about halfway through and it wasn't for me. I turned it off. But yeah. she was the best thing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. she is doing, she plays, she is quite a comic relief character in that. But she plays that sort of away with the fairies type character so well or in this she plays the sort of the the, the villain but at the same time she is a villain but she's also a, a comic foil as well and she's and she's really really good in it so yeah she's fantastic in this yeah yeah she's so funny her, her one-liners were brilliant and actually had me laughing out loud as well so she was a real highlight and i'd probably say the best thing about this film uh, so obviously got to talk about the soundtrack. So mm. any naughty's teen girl's dream is featuring, you know, the Goo Goo Dolls and yeah. Jimmy Eat World. Edward, so when Edward I was, McCain. 
Oh, mate, I've got a little story about that that is going to be a little bit, it's going to be like a little a bit of a diet rabbit hole that I'll go oh, into okay. in a little bit, but I'll tell you all about it, right? Um, anyway, so when I was like 15 to 19, I was fully obsessed with the Goo Goo Dolls, right? But I haven't listened to them since. And then after the prologue of this film, it basically opens with their song Sympathy, right? And I had such a profound emotional response to that and to hearing that song because I hadn't heard it in so long. Tell me about it. Trans- tell me about tell me about your Goo Goo Dolls reaction. Oh my god, like I was I can't tell you Josh, like you know, I don't know if you ever had this and I know a lot of people did, but when you discover bands at a certain age and it's like they just become your whole life and you become utterly obsessed and it's mm. all you listen to. Like I had a few of their like live in concert DVDs that I just watched on repeat nonstop. And then, I don't know, something happened. I think I left college and and I left, I suppose, the group of friends that I would that we all listen to the Goo Goo Dolls and it just stopped. You, and I didn't you, had a gr- you had a group of friends and the whole thing of the group of friends was a shared love of the band, the Goo Goo Dolls. Not just that, but you know, <laughs> a lot of our, we had a lot of musical interest in I common and we were obsessed also, with the same bands. I also really loved the Goo Goo Dolls. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Yay. Everyone knows Iris, but also like you oh, say, yeah. Sideways, Black Balloon, Broadway. Dizzy Up Girl, yeah. all, yeah, great. It's, there's some bangers the in there. And, and, and the, Just yeah. the list goes on. Yeah. Yeah, if, um, you, if you like soft rock by sort oh, of yeah. baby-faced looking well-groomed men, oh, yeah. just, this is a film for you. And John Rezesnik as well, I just absolutely fancied the pants off him. Like, I've seen them, I've seen them twice in concert. One time I went on my own because no one else wanted to go. I was literally, <laughs> Josh, I was literally like 15 or 16. <laughs> And I went to the Apollo in Manchester on my own to see the Goo Goo Dolls. So I come out in like the middle of Manchester, like at half 11 at night. It was fucking terrifying. I can't believe my parents let me go. But yeah, that was a bit sad. So I think that's the only gig I've, went, I've been to on my own. <laughs> little, but I had to go. Little Alice going to see the Goo Goo Dolls. Loved it. I couldn't not. I couldn't own. not go. Oh, it was amazing. But I did have a great time. Um so yeah, so once because the film started that way and I had that sort of emotional reaction, that was that's quite a good way for for a film to start for me, obviously, or, or for anyone, because it's like, oh, I feel emotionally invested now. Um, so I was kind of nos- riding that nostalgia wave uh, from the off. So so the soundtrack in general, so it did lead me down a bit of this rabbit hole, right? So I'm just going to go into this a little bit. So go on. The song that you mentioned there, what 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 was it by Edwin, Edwin McCain Albee? So I was utterly convinced until a couple of nights ago when I watched this film that that song was by the Goo Goo Dolls, right? I had I had this memory. So, but I think when you, we were watching it on, I, I was watching it on Prime and when you pause on Prime, it tells you who the actors are in that scene, but it also tells you any songs that are playing, which I think is really cool, right? And it said this guy's name and I was like, who's this guy? I don't know this guy who sings this song. So I was like, oh, I guess Goo Goo Dolls must have done a cover of it. So then I started Googling. It's like, oh, Goo Goo Dolls, I'll be, and like Goo Goo Dolls cover and all this. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And this article popped up that was like, that was like, this is why people think the Goo Goo Dolls covered I'll Be, but they never did and all this. And they were just like, listen, there is no record of the Goo Goo Dolls ever having covered I'll Be. We don't know why this has happened, that people have got this false memory and all this. And I was like, oh my God, 
what, like, how? Because I was convinced that, like, I'd seen them play it live and stuff. And I was just like, oh my God, they never did. So then I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. But it turns out they never did cover the song. So I'd literally gone my whole life up until this point thinking that they had done that song, thinking that, oh yeah, it was a bit weird that they chose two Goo Goo Doll songs to be in a Cinderella story and then no more. Because at first you think, because they, they're like the first two songs that get played. So you think, oh, maybe it's just going to be loads of Goo Goo Dolls and they're the main soundtrack. But it's not, it was just those two. Mate, I was just so confused. But apparently it's like a thing. It's like this shared I know why. false memory. I can tell why? you why. So do you know, it's, that's, that's an example of the Mandela effect, right? You know, you yeah. know the Mandela effect, yeah. right? So the reason why, and I'll tell you why, because the, the, this is not, it's not the only, only occasion this has happened. So the reason why lots of people think that the Goo Goo Dolls covered LB is because a fucking lime wire. Did you ever use LimeWire when of you were a kid? Of course I did, Josh. Right. Of course I so did. When, oh my God, you've so, got the answer. So Go when on, when, me, when people would download music illegally... When yeah, totally were, illegal. I mean, I never, so I, ne- I never did, you know. I, oh, I did it constantly. I, I, you know, I've always paid for everything. <laughs> but um, essentially, it was peer-to-peer sharing and, and um, people would download songs and it would just be whatever the person uploaded it as. So... I also thought that the Goo Goo Dolls sang Albi, but oh they didn't. So another example is there is a lot of uh, songs that were incorrectly named because they might have been written by someone who didn't speak English as a first language or someone who didn't care, uh... so they just had a guess. So, for example, for a long time, I thought that the song Don't Stop Believing" by Journey was called Midnight Train. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and because because obviously it says a midnight train going anywhere, so so it was called midnight train. So Goo Goo oh Dolls gosh. is it, 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 so that is why is that uh, Goo Goo Dolls was always on there as um, Albie. And it was and it yeah it and it's not, been because it also wire. does sound a lot like him. So that's this, why. Well, this... This was what the person who wrote the article sort of thought. They were like, I think people are just because before before the internet really got going, guys. Like trying to sort of find new songs and and discover new bands, especially that like weren't from your country and weren't getting radio play and all this, it was quite difficult. So you would just hear like the odd song. I remember like I got a lot, a lot of my music taste is based on stuff that was played in like Buffy and Angel. Like I would hear a song and think, MySpace. Who did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. So I I can't remember how I got into the Goo Goo Dolls, but then I did. And then I must have just seen while scrolling through LimeWire, whatever the fuck, might have been Morpheus, might have been Kazar, you know, all the the old school ones. Um, I must have just seen, oh, there's another Goo Goo Dolls song, so I'll download it. But yeah, one of the other things I read was that because they do sound quite similar, so John Rezesnik, like I didn't even notice. Um, but yeah, that just blew my mind, Josh, when I read that, when I paused it and Lime it said, wire, oh, this song's yeah. by this person. LimeWire, <gasps> for the kids at home, was giving the family computer every virus in the world because oh, you yeah. really wanted Wonderful. the new Arctic Monkeys single. Yeah, um, anyway. Or the, or the new Google Doc song. <laughs> yeah, or the new Google song, <laughs> which was not that. Anyway, so, I'll, I'll Jennifer take a Coolidge. Breather. Yeah. I'll take a little breather there. So you, you <laughs> tell me, was there anything, could you identify anything that you liked about this Okay. <laughs> what so was do your you overall think, impression? Do you think that I... I liked this. No. More. I reckon you liked Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> about Do you think it. I like this more or less than you like Rocky Balboa? Um, I reckon it's probably, we're probably the same. I reckon we're probably on an even keel there. I reckon okay. we're matching. I reckon we're matching. So I like this considerably more than you like Rocky Balboa. Did you? Yeah. Yes, I oh, did. Ace? Yes, I did. Now, what was it? Was there it the are... outfits? Was it, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, it. The yeah. High I, I love flip phones attached to belts. That's it. Oh it gosh, got me right in my kink, this film. Yeah. I love flip phones. LOL. I love 
I love uh, texting with numbers and having to wait ages if you type if you type an S and then a P. Chat rooms. Um, yeah, I love it. I love chat rooms. I love forums. No, that no. So I think there's a lot to like in this film. It is flawed, and we'll get onto that. But there's a lot to yeah. like in it. So first off. The cast are pretty good. I think the cast mm-hmm. are pretty good. This, you know, we've touched on Jennifer Coolidge. Hilary Duff, she's a teen idol, man. She's an absolute teen she is. idol. She she's, is. She's got some real star qualities to this. I think, and we've touched on this with Just My Look, there is a tendency with this sort of film to be quite snobbish about it because I don't know if it is, but it's got like that Disney Channel feel to it and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, right? And like I said at the beginning, that doesn't mean it's not a good film and that doesn't mean it's not an audience, right? And if you look at the target audience for this, it's probably predominantly, unless, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, teenage girls, mm-hmm. right? And teenage girls are often told that everything they like is shit mm-hmm. and I will not have it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of my things I'm like, no, everyone likes what they like and... I know lots and lots of teenage girls are like, oh, you like this band? Shit. Mm. Whereas teenage lads are brought up to be like, ah, football and that. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Everything's and, cool. Yeah, so so I that's you know, one of the things. So I went into this like, right, I'm going to go into this with as balanced a view as possible. I was, you know, when mm. I said the whole, oh, fuck you, Alice, I was only joking. Yeah. It was just, you know, it's just one of those things. So anyway, the cast are pretty good in this. Hilary, Hilary Duff very much carries this. She brings a real star quality to her character. She brings a real emotional heft. Like, she's not, She's not a bad actor. She's at no point I'm like, oh, she's not very good. Do you know what I mean? She can sing, she can act. She's she's great in this. She very much carries it. And she's so young. Mm. So one of the things, I was going to put this in my dislikes, but I'll ask you now, how old is Hilary Duff now? Now? Um, oh, m- my, like, uh, I, I assumed like my age. So like 33. Oh, really? Actually, I thought she was about 45. Oh, really? And that's not oh. that's not based on what she looks like or anything like that. I just was like, well, she must be. She's fucking 35. Yeah, I thought and she I was, was like, about that's my age and that. 30, she's only three years older than me. Yeah, because I remember Lizzie McGuire and yeah. that and thinking she's like always feeling like, oh, she is actually a, a high school yeah, girl. Yeah. Not like these, you know, getting in 28-year-olds to play 16-year-olds. <laughs> the sp- the Spider-Man thing. deal. Um, yeah, like it It just kind of felt, it always felt authentic with her. Like I just always yeah. felt like, oh, she is actually that age and, and she is actually that thing. Yeah. 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 So the cast are really good. Chad Michael Murray's quite good in it. Not seen him anything before, but they've got good, <laughs> they've got good chemistry together. I do think yeah. the scenes that they're in. Um Stifler's mom, obviously, we've already said is good. The guy who's a friend at school, who's also the guy who's Emma Stone's friend at school in Easy A, is, is really yes, good. Yes, um, yes. I want to say as well, this is this is very this is what quite an early performance for Regina King, or one that I've seen anyway. I've only ever seen it this early in her career in this and Jerry Maguire. She's brilliant in this. If you don't know, she's the manager of the of the diner. She's brilliant in this. I think she she brings the real emotional heart of the film. Um, it's funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. It's not it's not massively funny. It's not laugh out loud all the way through. But I think there's some funny bits in it, some funny characterization and that sort of stuff. Um, and quite heartwarming as well in bits. You know, it is it is quite feel good in places. Um, I enjoyed some of the characterizations because they sort of went a little bit against the type in terms of your average rom-com and that sort of thing. So, for example, mm-hmm. Austin, there's, there's a sort of little bit of a subplot in it that Austin Chad Michael Murray's character is is really uncomfortable in his skin. Like He doesn't want to be the jock and the footballer and the this and the that. And I think that, you know, they don't go into it that much, but I think the bits that they do do enough to be like, oh, he's not just a, you know, he's just not, not a meathead or, or whatever. So... 
Yeah, look, it's cheesy, it's formulaic, but mostly in a good way, I would say. Mm. Interesting what you said there about Regina King as well, because I was watching the whole thing thinking, I'm sure I recognise her, I'm sure I recognise her, but couldn't quite put my finger on what. And then when you said then, so I thought, oh, I'll just look it up. But she was like one of the main characters in Watchmen, the TV show, which yeah. I really, really yeah, liked. Yeah, she was, so I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, and she was brilliant in that. Um, just a couple more things. So uh, you touched on there uh, about Hilary Duff. And the, the thing that I uh, sort of took away from her is that uh, she's quite good at narrating. Mm. So we've done some films on this podcast where like quite sort of big, successful, experienced actors have tried to do narration and it feels really forced and really scripted and just not very natural. But she actually does it really well and I think, because if I remember rightly, so in Lizzie McGuire, like she does break the fourth wall a lot and like that's part of it. I think, oh, did you not watch it? Never seen Lizzie McGuire, <laughs> no, no. no. So I think she breaks the fourth wall a lot and then acts as a bit of a narrator in that. So obviously she would have had the experience from that. Um. And just finally as well, so just before we kind of get, we'll talk about more of this, this more in the dislikes, I'm sure, but there are elements of this film that are almost so lame that it's entertaining. <laughs> like you shouldn't be watching and you know you shouldn't be enjoying yourself. Mm. But I just did because it's almost absurd in some places, kind of how cheesy and how cringy it is. Um, but it was so, it was enjoyable. Mm. Like I, it's so... It's so like fluffy and just kind of light and uh, it's just it's the kind of film that you'd want. And I felt this way about Just My Luck as well. Like if you've had a shit time or, you know, you've had a, a run of sort of films or TV shows that are kind of quite dark and quite heavy and really complex, sometimes it is just enjoyable and nice to put something like this on and sit back and just kind of let it wash over you. Okay, then let's move on to talking about things that we would change about the film or things that we perhaps didn't like about the film. Alice, did you not like anything about a Cinderella story? Is there anything you'd change about a Cinderella story? Alice, over to you. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> uh, so there are a couple of things. So I said previously that I do think that some of the jokes fall flat and then others have aged really badly. Mm. So the ones I'm talking about mainly are the ones about teenage girls' eating habits and how thin they may or may not be. So one of Shelby's friends, so Shelby is Austin Ames's girlfriend. So Austin Ames is the, you know, um, Hillary Just's live, love interest. He's like the Prince Charming sort of thing, but he has a girlfriend called Shelby. And one of her friends says that uh, she isn't hungry, so she isn't going to eat anything in the diner. And then one of the lads that they're with says, oh, laxatives don't count as a meal. And then they all kind of laugh at her. Um, and then when Austin is trying to figure out if he's into Sam or not when they're at the Halloween dance and he doesn't know who she is, he asks her, oh, would you rather eat a Big Mac or a rice cake? And she says, a Big Mac. And he's like, oh, great. I like a girl with a hearty appetite and all this. And it's like, yeah, you want a girl with a hearty appetite, but who is also thin and beautiful, is, right? Is that something that you, like, I've never thought, listen, if we're going to go out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. you got to have a hearty appetite. Like, like, does he want to eat her? Like, why, why, is... the, why the fuck does he want to have a hearty this... appetite? This is something that was really doing the rounds kind of late 90s, mm. early 2000s, because I remember it coming up in Buffy a couple of times as well. But this idea of like, oh yeah, I like a girl who just eats what she wants and all this. Mm. And it's like, right, okay, but most girls who eat what they want are going to get fat. And mm. society is literally doing everything they can to tell girls that they should be a certain size, basically underweight to be of any value, right? So for me, those j- jokes have aged really poorly and I don't think they would get made today. I think we're definitely a lot more sensitive around eating disorders and around what what the things that you say and the way that sort of women are portrayed in the media can have such a profound impact mm. on young women. Because the whole thing with the laxative thing, like one of the symptoms of uh, bulimia is, is taking laxatives yeah. unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just like, are you, are you are you making a joke about a girl who's bulimic or who might be bulimic sort of thing? I was just like, that's just a bit shitty. And I, I, I wasn't into it. Yeah, it's very, it is. It's, yeah, it's a little bit toned up. And like you say, you wouldn't get away. The only way you put it in a film now is if it was purposely drawing attention to the issue in, a, in an adverse way. Do you know what yeah. I mean? If, if, you, if you were going this character, what, what a prick this character is because of whatever. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that has not aged well. No, I didn't think so. But I don't think... I think the saving grace is that I don't think I see that sort of rhetoric much anymore and I don't think that would end up in a mainstream sort of film or TV show. So it's, you know, we like to see the progress Mm. that we're making and how attitudes change and how we're all being a bit more careful about the pressures and, you know, the societal expectations of of young people, especially young women. Um, So Austin is fucking creepy, right? And a bit of a dickhead, okay? So the way he speaks to Sam in the chat room is so inappropriate given that he has a girlfriend, right? So when when you look at the text that they're sending each other in the chat room, you hear their voiceovers doing it. And he's like, when can we meet? I've been thinking about you all day and all this. But the film lets him get away with it because... Shelby is presented to us as this really horrible two-dimensional person, which then brings me on to another point, which is that I don't like how hollow and underdeveloped so many of the characters are. So one of the great things, and we've already touched on it, and I know we would because of the actor, but one of the great things about Easy A is that you get a bit about everybody's backstory, Mm. right? Even the antagonists. So you understand why they are the way they are, and you get to feel some empathy towards them. 
But in this, it's just kind of like, oh, the evil stepsisters are mean and Austin's girlfriend and her friends are bitches and all this. And then that's just the end of it. So I could have done with more characters being more developed and the script just being a, a bit less cheesy overall. Because like I said, sometimes it is, it's like so cheesy and so cringy that it, it kind of almost physically hurts you. Like some of the lines, it's especially between... Um, between Sam and Austin, mm. like some of it is just like, oh, yeah. they're sending the it's, texts it's, and stuff. It's the other like, side of that oh. coin, isn't it? It, it, very, it very much knows what it is, this film, right? And so you mm. know what you're going into and expecting. And so there's a certain amount you'll give it, but there are times when the balance is slightly off and it does stray into, oh, you've lost me. Like, or, mm-hmm. or you know, oh, I'm not, that's too cheesy. That's too Hallmark cardy sort of thing. So yeah, I can get on board with what you're saying there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then just finally, there is way too many dead fish in this film for me. So obviously one of the running oh, yeah. narratives, <laughs> oh, fucking hell, uh, mate, I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten how bad it was. So obviously one of the running jokes is that Fiona, so the stepmom, loves eating salmon from Norwegia. And so like she puts it in the diner in everything, like salmon omelette, salmon toasties, whatever it might be. So there's just fucking salmon everywhere, man. And like the cook's like picking them up and like jiggling them in front of the people. There's one where she goes in her fridge and it's just like the skeleton of the salmon, but it's still got the head yeah, on. Yeah, for, so, like, so oh for people gosh. for people listening at home, for new listeners, that's not a metaphor. And especially if you're if you're one of our friends from across the pond in the States, that's not like a British thing. Like there's a phrase that's there's way too many dead fish. What Alice <laughs> means is there are actually too many dead fish yes. in this film. So I Yes, I I have a phobia of fish. Uh, Very strange. I have an obsession with whales and sharks, but I have a phobia of fish. Don't ask me. I can't explain it. So when there's films, I think we brought it up when we did, was it Batman Returns with Rosie Holt? And obviously the penguin had like a fish in his mouth for about eight or nine minutes. And I was like, this is gross and I hate it. And just again in this, and it's just, if for anyone who's got a phobia, you know, but like the the impact that it can have is is so profound. And, you know, it's just, I need a a trigger warning. Josh, I need a warning at the beginning. This film contains I mean, it's just a good good job that neither of us have a phobia of early naughty soft rock because... Oh, no, ah, oh, no. Give me all the early naughty soft rock. You go off your head with this. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Um, But that was it for me. Some quite broad points Mm. in there. I think about some of the humour and some of the script. Um, Overall... It, it was kind of what I expected, and I do still think that it is a bit of fun. Uh, what about you, Josh? How long is this list for you? <laughs> it's, it's so, so I mean, look, you know, you could pick apart this as much as you want until eventually mm-hmm. all you're left with is a dead fish carcass. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh um, right, I suppose there's, there's one main issue with this for me, which which I'm going to break down into two issues, but it's the overall, overall, it's the adaptation element and the script, right? So I'm going to, the first one I'm going to make is the use of the Cinderella story as a Mm -hmm. framework, right? Which is, it doesn't need to be an adaptation of Cinderella. It's not anything like really the story of Cinderella, apart from the few key beats that everybody knows. So the loss of the parents, the leaving behind of the glass slipper, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't really get why they've bothered to do it. It doesn't really add much to the story, but you could still have the story of the the sort of pen pal type relationship without it being an adaptation of Cinderella. It really doesn't add anything to the story. And then on the other side of it, they can't make up their mind on what to do with it. So they can't, they could have lent into it more. 
and given us more. So there is no obvious fairy godmother, for example. I think it's meant to be Regina King's character. Think, yeah, Rhonda, who she gives yeah, her the dress. Who, who gives she? her the yeah. dress and helps her out and looks after her. But really, it doesn't really lean into it that much. And there's no sort of element of like, I don't know, an adaptation of a pumpkin and getting to the... Do you know what I mean? Getting to the ball and all that. It didn't need... It, either they needed to commit to it and lean more into it. I'd be like, this is an adaptation of Cinderella for the 2004 market. So this is this and this is this. Or didn't need to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I think they needed to, needed to pick one a little bit. A little bit like we said with Just My Look in that it didn't pick its audience. Well, this didn't pick its decision on its adaptation. Is it or is mm-hmm. it not an adaptation of Cinderella? If it is... Give me a little bit more. Give me a little bit more, you know, and 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 I can see how it is. Otherwise, they've just slapped the word Cinderella on the title. And really, mm-hmm. if you didn't call it a Cinderella story, I'm not sure many people would go, oh, it's a Cinderella. Like, it's just it's just sort of a rom-com. Trick. I think it's the, for me, it's the step-mom and the yeah. sort of evil stepsisters. They're kind of like the main, the, like the the thing from the Cinderella yeah, yeah. story yeah. that's sort of connected to it. So I wonder, I I don't completely agree with you there, and I do think that Rhonda does sort of fill that fairy godmother role a bit because, you know, she looks after her while she's at yeah, work yeah. and, you know, she's there scrubbing the floors and stuff and then she eventually moves in with her and I guess <laughs> she adopts her and stuff. Um, so I don't totally agree with you there, but I do see what you mean. Yeah. I do think more could have been done. If you, if you want it to be a fairy tale... Give me a little bit more yeah. of that. Make it more like it, it make it more like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the other side of it is just the script in general. So, like we've already touched on, it is cliched, it is predictable, mm-hmm. it is formulaic, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are some elements where it's a little bit full of holes. Mm-hmm. So, I think they needed to build up a few things more. For example, I don't believe she won't be popular. <laughs> there's not enough in this film that makes her yeah. be like you wouldn't be popular she seems to be unpopular in the film because she works at a diner right mm-hmm. well it never says that it's a school full of rich people who don't need to work or it's a mm-hmm. fee-paying school or anything like that so everyone works part-time jobs in schools there are loads of teen dramas and comedies like this where everyone works in a restaurant a bar a you know, a shop, a video shop, a bowling alley, loads of stuff. So I don't really believe, A, that she'd be unpopular in general, and B, that she'd be unpopular because she works in a diner. Yeah, it's like, like, hey, diner girl. Yeah, it's, it's like, that's it's, not it's the a, insult it's that a, you Yeah, it's, it's, a no, yeah. it's a nothing, it's a nothing thing, is it? It's a nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think they build up enough why she wouldn't want to be with Austin because they lean into that thing of, he's a soft, he's actually a sort of soft-centered soul sort of thing and he's nice. So it doesn't really explain why she wouldn't want to be with him when she knows it's not him, apart from that he's popular and I guess that he's got a girlfriend as well. So I do I do mm. get that bit. Um, the pacing is a little off as well. It take I think that after she leaves the party, about the hour mark, it takes a little bit of a dip. It feels like it sort of runs out of steam and ideas a bit. Then after 15 minutes or so, it picks up for that last that last conclusion and 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 that's okay mm-hmm. that's good but i do think it sort of runs out of ideas and i think that's where the adaptation side comes into it because they could have done more with it do you know what i mean they could have or he put some flyers up but i reckon they could have done i just yeah. think they could have done more with the with the adaptation or just more with the story in general at that point again there's a flaw there's a couple of flaws as well with some character motivation so some fucking exceptionally bad dadding by the dad yeah, I mean, oh God, first yeah. of all, so he dies in, in an earthquake, but he dies because he leaves her 
and goes and someone shouts for help and he goes to help. Nah, mate. It's like getting an oxygen mask on a plane. <laughs> Stay in the doorway and watch the kid that you're with because there's n- you're yeah. no use to anyone if you're moving to help someone else and then you're killed, which is what mm-hmm. happens. And then second of all, he hides the will in a book for her to maybe find one day, yeah. having yeah. made her undergo. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So, so it never it never explains, right? So obviously the in, the sort of it hints at that he must have known that the woman he married was a nightmare, so she'd try and steal money and make his daughter Sam's life hell. So he hides the will in a book for her to get. But in order to get that, she has to go through 15 years of essentially abuse. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. nice one, dad. Thanks, dad. <laughs> Cheers, dad. Even in death, you're doing yeah. dirty. So some proper shit dadding in there. Yeah. Um, also, the stepmom's <laughs> plan doesn't make any sense. So the whole point is, is, is that... So, so she works Sam to the bone. She makes her work in the diner. She makes her do all these chores around the house, right? Like Cinderella does. Except that the reason Sam puts up with it is because she says that she needs to rely on her stepmom for the money to go to Princeton University where she wants to go. So what um, the stepmom then does is forge a letter from Princeton saying you didn't get in, mm. which would mean she wouldn't have any need for her anymore. Mm-hmm. So if anything, she mm-hmm. wants it to get into Princeton, so she's still relying on her for money. Mm-hmm. So then she can yep. still make her do stuff, right? Yeah. So I, 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 I was like, I was like, that's a bit of a like. Really, it's oh, you got in. Congratulations. I suppose you'll need some money then. Do you yeah, know what I mean? And then if you don't get in, it's kind of like, oh, well, there's no point me staying yeah, here. Yeah, I'll just now, go and get so a job. I'll, well go I'll and get a different I'll, job. Yeah, I'll go and get yeah. a job and get out from this fucking horrible house. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. So mm-hmm. that that popped into my head, but but. So there are a couple of holes in there. There's a couple of weird character motivations. There's a couple of conveniences. Could lean more into the adaptation side of things. But I'll sort of forgive it because that is what it is. There are plenty of films like this that have holes. As we said with Just My Luck, and I'm sure we'll say again with other films of this this type. It knows what it is. And you know what? It's all right. I won't be in a rush to watch it again. It was no, it, it, it was nowhere, it was nowhere near as bad. It was nowhere near as bad as I as I thought it was gonna be. And I, I'm gonna be honest; I can already tell, judging by what you're gonna say at the critical reception. I think I know where this one is going. But let's move on. Okay, let's move on to talking about the critical reception. Then, so I haven't seen this. Mm-hmm. Um. How do I think it did, Alice? Mm. Well, you've already hinted it didn't do well. So I reckon it's probably like right down there. I reckon it's right down there in the fours or something like that. All right. What would I give it? It's a solid six. Do you think? A six? Between a five five and a six. Because, you know, this is definitely for a target audience. Would that target audience enjoy it? Well, I remember the target audience at school really enjoying it. So maybe so. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, so maybe so wasn't particularly for me, wasn't made for me, but I didn't, but I didn't have a horrible time watching it. Do you know what I mean? So, so I could see, I could see what I liked and I could see the flaws. So hit me with it. How did it do? Here we go. Okie dokie. So over on IMDb at the time of recording, it gets 5.9. And then over on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it 53%. And then the critics give it 12%, which is, wow. that's that's the reason that it had to go on my list. I think if 
if the critics had given it similar to the audience or the IMDb, like if it had been in the fives, I probably wouldn't have even put it on my list mm. uh, to sort of explore as an underrated. But obviously a 12% is very, very low. 12%, 12% indicates a bad film, a badly made film. <sighs> yeah, that's and bad. And something that maybe just couldn't be enjoyed by, by anyone that's sort of thing. Bad. Obviously, a lot of the critics writing aren't going to be teenage girls, so they're not the target audience. Um, and I do... Like like you said, you can see the flaws in it and you can see where the issues are, but I don't think it is 12% bad. I think the audience score and the IMDb score are probably fair. Mm. Yeah, I'd I say that so. 12 just drags it. Drags yeah, it so that, dra- bit, that, that, that drags it down to just about four out of 10, just, just over. Okay. I think, I think that's pretty harsh. I mean, look, it's, you know, it knows what it is. It's not perfect. It's not up there with Easy A and Mean Girls. It's not. If, if yeah, you're talking about the same not. thing, but it's not offensively shit and it's not 12% bad. But like you say, mm-hmm. that comes back to the point we made earlier around snobbery, around this sort of product. There is an audience for this. Mm-hmm. Get over yourselves and try and put you in the <laughs> shoes of that of that audience. Do you know what I mean? In the same way that if you went and watched fucking Fireman Sam the movie, you wouldn't be like... Uh, yeah, do you know what I mean? Right. It's every, yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. Everything's got a target audience. You've got to try and uh-huh. look at it through the eyes of the intended, really. Exactly. I, I appreciate that everything, in an ideal world, everything should entertain every, everyone. It doesn't, so mm-hmm. get over it. <laughs> so what are we saying? Underrated? I think I, I am going to stick with my original hunch that this was perhaps underrated indeed. What about you? I'd say so. Underrated, yeah. Yay! there we go a little bit surprised that oh. Josh is on board with me on this but a Cinderella story well, is Alice, underrated I'm, I'm not going to stab you in the back like you do with me with Rocky but that's fine I'm a better person than you well listen well, I'm not well, denying that well, Josh I am well, not denying that I'm well. a piece of shit and we all know <laughs> Um, right. Anyway, my favourite time of the week now, Josh. What are we going to be watching for next week? Next week we're going to be watching and talking mm. about a film called Scenes of a Sexual Nature. Ooh, that is a film title. That is a film title, not a porn. And, oh, are you and, sure? I'm not going to find some weird shit when I start looking oh, it up. You'll yeah. definitely find some weird <laughs> shit when you start looking it up. But <laughs> it's, yeah, we're going to be talk, watching and talking about scenes of a sexual nature. Ooh. Until then, if you'd like to get in touch with us, the email address is films on that part at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, other ones, just for, for just films and that part. And if you get a second, you give us a little review and a rating over wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, we'd appreciate it, wouldn't we, Alice? Oh, we would. We would. We would. We would. Oh, we'd love a bit of that. Um, and we're also on the television, aren't we, Alice? We are indeed. Every Friday from 6pm, we are on the local TV network. So if you live in Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds or Liverpool or the northeast of England, you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview. Or if you live in North Wales or South Wales, you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview. Or if you have Sky and you live anywhere in the country, you can find us on Channel 188. That is every Friday on the local TV network from 6pm. Thank you very much for joining us as ever. We'll see you next week. Goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. Hold up. 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 